You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome our very special guest this week, Nicole Wild. Nicole is a certified professional dog trainer residing in Southern California. She's written numerous books on a variety of topics, especially on canine behavior. Nicole has worked with all types of canines, both domestic and exotic, and has been training and rescuing dogs and wolf dogs for over 20 years. She's also worked with the L.A. City Shelters and was the executive director for a rescue center for wolves and wolf dogs and pit bulls. So today we're going to be talking to Nicole about her book, Help for Your Fearful Dog, which was the 2006 winner in the category of Best Dog Behavior Books for Dog Owners and Best Dog Book for the Miscellaneous category. And I've lectured on this topic several times, and actually this weekend I'm going to be heading out to Iowa talking about fearful dogs. So it's a huge, huge category. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because fear is so prevalent in so many dogs, and it's there all the time. And I love this little book. And promise that you're going to get a ton of information, not only listening to uh, Nicole, but also if you purchase her book. So don't go away. I'm going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. 
having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Nicole Wild, who today will be talking to us about living and training the fearful dog. If you didn't hear our interview two weeks ago about um, wolf dogs and wolf hybrids, Nicole gave a really nice talk about that. So don't forget to check back on that. But today we're going to be talking to Nicole about the fearful dog. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, Pia. So happy to be here. Great. I I love the interview that you did on the wolf dogs. It was really, really interesting, and I know that we'll get a lot of good feedback on that. Great. And you know, it's interesting that we're doing fear today because it really just grows right out of that one, doesn't it? It does. You're so fearful. Absolutely. And fear, obviously, as you know, is a huge category that has so many different levels to it, different segments. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to cover it all in one half hour interview, but we'll try to get in as much as we can. And if we haven't covered something that you you were interested in, I'm talking to the audience right now, I'll make sure that you do purchase Nicole's book, and we'll tell you where to get that at the end of the half hour. So if you'd like to hear more, also, if you have any questions, don't forget to email me, and maybe we can get Nicole to come back. So let's talk a little bit about, Nicole, some possible reasons some dogs exhibit fear to a particular stimuli and others do not. Sure. Well, there's a couple of reasons there could be for that. As we know, dogs need to be socialized at a very young age. And we say that the window of optimum socialization for puppies is between four weeks and 12 weeks, meaning that if you expose a dog to those things during that time, he's much less likely to be reactive towards them later on in life. It's like if you were raised in a place where there were no airplanes ever, and then suddenly you saw a plane flying overhead 10 years later, it would freak you out. So the things that a puppy has was not really exposed to uh, when he was young could theoretically scare him just because of its unfamiliarity when he's older. There's also things like traumatic experience. Unfortunately, bad things do happen to good dogs. And if a dog were, for example, in a car accident, he might become afraid of riding in the car. If he were attacked by another dog, he might actually develop a fear of other dogs or perhaps a fear of certain types of other dogs that remind him of the one that scared him. We also have things like learned associations. Um, I had a client once, as you mentioned, I, I train dogs as well. I had a client once who had a dog who refused to piddle in a certain area of their yard. And for whatever reason, they really needed him to do his business there. They, I think they had kids and they didn't want it all over the place. And what I found out in short order is that there was a sprinkler 
that popped up in that very area. And my guess oh. is that one fine day, that poor little doggy had his leg up over that sprinkler. Oh. He had a little doggy bidet, and he said, no more. <laughs> so, it's just things happen, and from then on, the dog is freaked out by that thing. Oh, talk about punishing a behavior that you desperately need. It's just sad and unusual. Um, But, you know, there's also things that dogs are naturally afraid of. I mean, we know that dogs are naturally afraid of things like earthquakes and fires, but also, you know, a lot of dogs, there's just common fears, things like vacuum cleaners a lot of dogs react to, Uh, things overhead like banners or flags waving overhead freak a lot of dogs out. So, you know, there's just a variety of reasons. Yeah, and that's a great point that you brought up too, that that early exposure. I have um, a new little Belgian with me now. She's just a little over a year and she was not exposed to many things. And so everything is scary to her, you know, a gym bag, uh, you know, when you're shaking out your plastic bag to for garbage, anything new and different. You know, if I toss a piece of paper on the floor, she jumps for a second. Aww, so baby. So she, but she's doing great. I mean, it, it's just I find that if I just go about my business, she just starts to get used to things. But yeah, and that's that's a good point too, important. is how you react to it. I don't know if you're yeah. planning to talk about that, but definitely your reaction when the dog becomes afraid of something is huge. I, yes, I will definitely. Dogs exhibit fear through um, audible and visual signals, and some of those signals can be very subtle, as you know. And if you were working with a client whose dog was exhibiting fears, let's say, to new people, what might you tell that client to look for or to listen for? Well, it's really important that somebody with a fearful dog really recognizes the signs, and especially when it comes to introducing them to people. Because if you're not careful, a dog who is afraid of people can start becoming fear-reactive towards people. And so we all know things like, okay, when the ears are plastered against the head or the tail is tucked, those are really obvious signs. But there are more subtle signs. Some of the ones that I like are um, that are easy for people to look for, I would say, are lip-licking. Um, and of course, dogs lick their lips. You know, if you have a steak dangling from your yeah. hand, your dog will pretty much lick his lips. But <laughs> sort of repetitive, you know, fast, nervous lip licking, very often accompanied by yawning. And yawning can happen that way or on its own. And yes, of course, dogs yawn because they're tired or whatever. But if you look around, for example, your vet's waiting room the next time you're there, you will notice a lot of dogs yawning and licking their lips. So those are two things. Um, turning away of, of the, the face. Or, and or the body, because dogs don't want to face something that they're afraid of, just like we wouldn't. Um, those are things that are pretty easy to spot. I would say also the tail and the ears, if you know what your dog's normal ear and tail position look like, you will have an indication of when the dog is afraid, because the tail will be lowered, not necessarily tucked. And the ears, you know, like with Soko, my German Shepherd, who I lived with for 13 years, she had a variety of fear issues, and the Help Fear Fearful Dog book, which, by the way, I love that you said this little book, you know, 400 pages, you know, and then right. Labor of Love because of Soko, you know, I mean, it really was because mm-hmm. fearful dogs have a special place in my heart. But with her, you know, German Shepherds, prick-eared dogs, right? And, and so one of those ears would just, just twitch and rotate slightly, and that would be it. And I would know that she was starting to become afraid of something. So you've got to look for, you know, what's your dog's normal body language so that you know what's not normal. 
Yeah, this is another thing that I have people I know in our Feisty Fido's class. We tell them to look at how the dog is breathing. Like, is the dog a panter, for example, and then he suddenly stops panting? Or oh, yeah. he's not panting and then he starts panting? You know, yeah, so. That's uh, the guppy mouth effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mouth is right, opening, right. And all of a sudden he's like a guppy opening and closing the mouth. <laughs> right, yeah, right. One. Another one um, is. You know, very often you can tell by the dog's weight distribution, even if there's not any major other signals that you can notice going on, if you look at your dog from the side, he's going to look like he's either kind of leaning forward or he's leaning backward. And very often with a fearful dog, he's going to be leaning backward. I'm glad you said that because it's a good segue to the next question that I was going to ask you. I've heard so many times... Clients will say to me, my dog is exhibiting fear aggression. And I said, well, describe to me, you know, what happened. And the dog ran through the electronic fence, chased somebody down, bit the person, and then held the person hostage in the street. They said he did this because he was fearful. And I kind of chuckle at this because, as we know, dogs have choices. And typically, fearful dogs don't chase down something that they're fearful of. They run the other way. So... When we talk about fear and aggression, expand upon that a little bit because people tend to think that all aggression is fear-based. And while I think the majority is, not all of it is. So expand upon that a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think you put it really well. You know that dogs have choices. And if a dog, let's say you have a dog on a leash and somebody's coming up to the dog to say hello. And this dog, for whatever reason, is really afraid of that person. Now, being on the leash, the dog has no place to go. So in that case, the dog may snap at the person, right? It's a fight or flight instinct. Mm -hmm. However, if there is somebody, you know, two houses down, your dog is in no immediate danger. That person's not walking towards them. That person's not reaching towards them. If that dog rushes towards that person, goes out of his way to go out and, and nail that person, that's not a dog who's afraid. You know, as you said, yes, the majority of of aggression is fear-based, but there is absolutely a small segment where it is not fear-based. You know, the aggression really, to me, is an intent to harm. The dog wants Mm -hmm. to hurt. Most fearful dogs, you know, they'll have more of this approach avoidance conflict, or they'll be doing this barking thing. Let's say a new person comes in the house, and the dog's going, and I imagine, with love I say this, I imagine a shepherd doing that. Right. <laughs> a lot of that, you know, the dog's kind of almost backing up and going forward and backing up and going, ooh, ooh. and what that dog is really saying is, hey, you big scary thing, don't make me come over there, because what they mm-hmm. really want is for the big scary thing to leave, you know, yes. a, a fearful dog yes. wants to increase the social distance between himself and the thing he's afraid of, he does not want to close that distance and become closer to it, the dog is running out and doing that, that's not fear, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> And probably the worst thing that I think probably people do, and I hate to say it, but many trainers also, is that they try to lure the dog in with food treats or try to, they encourage the dog to go further. Like, I'm not, or the guest is over and said, I love dog. You know, I'm not afraid of dogs at all. And they want to pet the dog, thinking they're going to get the dog over it. You're right. You know what? That's one of my pet peeves. And you're, you're so right, Pia. Unfortunately, a lot of trainers who should know better do that sort of thing. If, if you encounter a fearful dog, you never want that dog. You don't want to force them to interact with you. And I'm going to say that by taking out treats, 
in a way you are forcing them to interact with you because most dogs are so food motivated. And the bad thing that happens is that the dog is conflicted. He's not sure. You're a big scary thing. But, oh, look, you've got hot dogs. And so here it is, you know, that physiology just goes, woo, hot dogs, and it kind of takes over. And now the dog is over to you, and you're feeding hot dogs and feeding hot dogs. And since you're not an endless supply of hot dogs, it stops at some point. And at that right. point, very often, the dog goes, oh, crap, look where I am. And, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of trainers get bit that way. Yeah. So I would yeah. say, you know, luring a dog to you is a bad idea. And the other thing is, like you said, people tend to say, oh, you know, my dog's fearful. But here, why don't you come and pet him? And they'll hold mm-hmm. him by the collar or very closely on the leash and say, you know, come pet him. He has to get over this. Again, right. you're not giving that dog a whole lot of choice. Exactly. And, and that's the worst way to do it. You never want to force a fearful dog into a situation, ever. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about people's body language, too, when they have a fearful dog. Again, you, we hear this all the time, that your dog wouldn't be fearful if you were dominant over the dog. You, you were a good leader. Expand upon that. Well, I think that in popular culture right now, there really is this trend towards you've got to be a strong leader and you've got to be the alpha and the dominant one over your dog. And I will say that, yes, a dog does need a leader to look up to, especially for a fearful dog, because if you are afraid and something happens in the environment, you want to be able to look to the one you consider your leader and know that they'll step up and they will take care of it so you don't have to be afraid. That said, I think the whole thing has been kind of overplayed to the point where people feel that they almost have to bully their dogs to be a good leader. You know, if you look at, at a wolf structure, you know, like a wolf family, the ones who are in charge are kind of the wise alphas, you know, they're not the ones that are bullying the others. And in fact, mm. the ones who are bullying the others are kind of those middle ranking squabbling wannabes. And that's not sort of what you need to give off to your dog. So you can certainly be a good, I mean, look, you know, I'm a small person. I'm 5'2", and, you know, I've worked with wolves all my life and large dogs. I've never had a dog that weighed under like 80 or 90 pounds. And I'm certainly not wrestling them to the ground or, you know, that alpha roll where you put them on their back or scruff shaking or any of that stuff. And I mean, I have all my fingers and toes to prove it, you know, right. <laughs> and, and all of that. I, I'm not saying that, you know, a guy taking a dog and slamming him on his back, that the dog's not going to stop and submit because, yeah, you're just proving that you're bigger and scarier. But what is it actually teaching the dog? Nothing. And, you know, that whole alpha right. wolf thing came from old wolf studies where they thought that's what one wolf did to another. Now, those studies were absolutely disproved. And they found that, you know, if one wolf wants another one to submit, it's very, very subtle. And with the wolves I lived with here for 10 years, I could tell you, all, all one of them had to do was that little Elvis lip curl thing, you know, with <laughs> a little attached. And the other one, would, mm-hmm. it was really funny to watch. He would absolutely roll over on his back, all on his own, expose his belly, expose his neck. I'm sorry. There was no contact. You know, there was no scrub right. and there was no alpha rolling. So doing those things really doesn't teach your dog anything. And if one wolf, by the way, really did that to another one, he would really mean to hurt or even kill that, that wolf. So that is not the message that you ever want to send to your dog. Great points. It's also sort of what I say. It's like, you know, I can give my dogs what I call the mother's look and they just automatically stop because they're feeling a sense. When I work with, for example, Lena, my new little girl here, I try to be jolly and happy. And I think that's where a lot of people, 
they tend to feed off their dogs. So if their dog is fearful, they become anxious. And then it's sort of a catch 22. The dog is saying, well, if you're anxious, now I don't have anybody to protect me. So it's really not about being dominant. It's about the human feeding off the dog's behavior. Do you agree? I agree. I totally agree with you. You know, if you think about it, if you have a child who falls down and skins their knee, the mom who goes, oh my God, oh my God, are you okay? Let me see. That kid is going to take the cue from the mom that, wow, there's really something to worry about. And he's going to just start bawling his head off. If you, on the other hand, have a mom who goes over and says very calmly, well, let me take a look. Oh, you're fine. Go play. The kid's like, oh, Mm -hmm. cool. I'm fine. You know, and it's really not any different with dogs. If you remain calm, you know, I'll give you an example. Mojo, my baby, who passed away in September, almost 15 years old, he was what I would term dog obnoxious. He was not dog aggressive, but he was sort of a bully, and we had worked on it for a long time. We then moved to an area that is more rural, and when I would take him to the vet, which is really embarrassing for a trainer, you know, here's my dog, because he regressed, you know, because now we're in a really rural area where he never sees anybody, you know, Um, Uh I would have to take him in there. And when he, you know, I'd manage it really well, of course, but there was one time where we just couldn't help it. Another dog walked in the door and Mojo started reacting. And as soon as he did, I was like, hey, buddy, come on, let's go. Just like that. And he was like, oh, okay, let's go. Now, that was not a fearful mm. reaction, but it's the same thing. If I had fed into his emotional state and been like, oh, my God, oh, my God, and maybe started pulling him back on the leash, you know it just would have gotten him more aroused. So if you have Absolutely. a dog who you know, reacts fearfully to something, you don't want to coddle them and, and do that worried, oh, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry, because it sounds like you're worried. You know, Dogs don't know what you're saying. If you're just like, it's fine, it's great. Dogs who are afraid of thunderstorms, for example, it's fine. You know, there are people who say, well, you know, you shouldn't reinforce the fear. Well, if your dog feels better with you sitting there with one hand on them and just saying, you know what, this is great. We're going to be calm together. That's fine. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. You just don't want to feed into his fear, as you said. It's sort of like us if, if you're on a plane and you're hitting heavy turbulence. It's nice to know that there's somebody there next to you that's not nervous. It's yeah, sort of, it, you it, don't want to it, hear the captain come on and go, better say your prayers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You want to hear him say, it's just a little turbulence. You can relax. <laughs> oh, on that note, we're going to take a quick little break to hear from our sponsors. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What? 
planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win with Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host, and joining us today is Nicole Wild, a certified professional dog trainer in Southern California, talking to us about owning and training fearful dogs. Nicole, let's talk a little bit about, I I liked in your book, you discussed about teaching the dogs to relax and to settle. Expand upon that a bit. And you also say, I like that you say, take it on the road and when to settle and when not to settle. I think these are just really, really good points that you brought up. So expand on that. Settle is a really great behavior to teach any dog, but with fearful dogs, it can be wonderful. All settle means, for, for those who don't know, is basically you, when you say settle, you want your dog to lay down and relax. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't have to be a specific position. The dog can lay, just like you would say down to a dog, you know, he can lay in that position. He can lay on his side if he's more comfortable that way. Uh, he can lay with, with his weight on one hip. It's fine, but really what you're teaching him is to come into a relaxed emotional state on your cue. You know how they say if a person smiles, you can't really smile and and, and be angry. It's not a true smile because your physiology is all wrapped up with your emotions. And so with a dog, when they're in that relaxed position, the the feelings of relaxation start to accompany it. So if you teach a dog settle, it's really, number one, a kindness because a lot of fearful dogs are just kind of on that chronic anxiety cycle where they find it hard to relax, just like some people do. And so here it is, you're helping them to find a way to do that. You can also use the settle for things like, let's say you have a dog who is 
not phobic or anything, but just a little bit nervous around visitors. He'll maybe stay in the room, but he won't really go up to people. So if you teach that dog a settle, let's say you give him a nice spot, you know, on his dog bed, away from the door, maybe in a corner of the room where he doesn't have to pass by people to get there, and you tell him, settle. And so here it is, people are having a nice conversation in your living room, your dog is relaxed and settled in the corner, he feels at ease because he's away from people, and he's associating those feelings of relaxation with the presence of people. So that's a really nice way to use it. Now what you don't want to do is ask your dog to settle in a situation where it might make him uncomfortable. For example, Uh if you have your dog at a training class and it's a small space and there's other dogs and people right on top of you, you wouldn't want your dog to settle because, look, it puts them in a vulnerable position. So you have to be careful about it. And as you talked about before, you know, the taking it on the road aspect is really important too. And what I mean by that is, you know, anytime you teach a new behavior to a dog, first you teach it in the house where there are no distractions preferably. And then you start doing it maybe in your backyard where there's maybe a little bit of distraction and then sort of out in the environment because you can't teach your dog what settle means in the house one time and then take him out to, you know, the parking lot at Petco and say, hey, settle. It's just not going to happen. So you want him to practice settling outside in different places where you really need him to. Let's say you want him to do that, you know, while you sit at Starbucks with your coffee, you know, but you wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. him to do that right away. You kind of have to build up to it. Yeah, I think on the same line, we teach in our Feisty Fido's course, we teach a settle the first week so the dogs learn to relax in a settle position around other dogs when they're anxious. But probably, I I think a big mistake that many trainers do is they teach the dog, they put the dog in a stay when the dog is fearful. It's You're really not giving the dog an option then. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And even I've seen trainers that, let's say a dog is really afraid of other dogs, and another dog walks by, and they tell the dog, sit and stay. And the dog is just mm. practically trembling with fear. You know, that, that yeah. to me is not fair to the dog either. I completely agree with you. In Chapter 15, you talked about emotions versus cognition. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you know, if you are, whether it's a person or a dog, you can't really be in a cognitive state and be in an emotional state all at the same time. For example, let's say that you're sitting on your porch one day, and you're doing the crossword puzzle, and all of a sudden, here come a swarm of killer bees, and they start buzzing around your head, and you're freaking out. Do you really think you're going to know what the answer to 52 down is? No. <laughs> you're not going to be able to think. Okay? So you're, you're kind of either in this state where you're afraid of something, and you know, if you're not redirected to something else, that you've got to think about, that fear can really spiral out of control. That's why, you know, when you have fearful dog classes or even just a fearful dog in a a normal dog class, you really want to make sure that the dog has something to do in between exercises. And he's not just Mm -hmm. sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm looking around, there's other dogs, there's other people, I'm really nervous, and it starts spiraling out of control. If you give him things to do, whether it's attention, looking at the person, or touch, touch your nose to my hand, or, you know, whatever it is, flip pancakes, I don't care what it is, as long as the dog knows it, you know, just keep him busy and keep him in his cognitive mind so that he's not afraid. That is such a great point. I I think people forget when they're in a fearful situation. I can recall years ago, I was afraid of flying and I would be reading a book and then all of a sudden we would maybe hit heavy turbulence and not continue to read. And then all of a sudden we would get into smooth air. 
hmm, who's that character? I don't remember reading about him. So, yeah. you know, five pages later, you're thinking, you knew you read those five pages, but you don't recall one thing that you read. Exactly. Well, if you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, I'm guessing you couldn't tell me what was on the radio at the time. Right, right. You know, you're just, you're focused, so... So that's what I think we have to be so careful with these fearful dogs when their owners are telling them what to do. They feel like they're being disobedient when truly they can't comply. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, one other thing that goes along with that is if you are using treats for training, which hopefully you are because it's a nice, gentle, positive method, don't expect a dog who's really, really afraid to take food treats because they're over threshold. That means that you've pushed them too far too fast and they are just not even wanting the food. Another thing with the food is if you are using treats for training, and this used to happen with Soko, my German Shepherd, um, you know, she was a great dog and didn't have an aggressive bone in her body. But when we started working around things she was afraid of, the more fearful she became, the harder she would take that food out of my hand. Mm. So that's just a little tip for those of you who are working with your dogs in behavior modification. The pressure with, with which your dog takes the food is a pretty good indicator of how stressed your dog is. That's a great point because so many times we hear people say, oh, he's finicky, he's fussy, and then all of a sudden you give him a piece of like freeze-dried liver and he's gobbling that down <laughs> or his favorite treat, you know, he doesn't take it all. Another little test that I do, if the dog won't take the treat from me, but he takes it from the owner, that can be a signal, correct, to the owner that it's the dog is fearful of me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I've had certainly training appointments like that where, I, you know, as much as we know as professional trainers, the right body language and everything else, there are just those dogs who are just too afraid to approach. And sure, it's not that the, the dog doesn't like the treat, it's that he doesn't like the treat coming from us. Right, right. Good. Yeah, I think that's an important key factor for people to know. In part four of your book, you talk about complementary therapies. And what have you found to be successful? So many people are looking to avoid giving their dog medication many times. So talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, you know, that chapter sort of goes on and on because I'm really into complementary, you know, alternative holistic stuff. But I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of them that I think people might like to know about that are sort of fast and easy to use. Um, one of them, I would say, is DAP, which is Dog Appeasing Pheromone. It's normally sold under the brand name Comfort Zone. And what it is, is it chemically mimics the pheromones that are given off by a lactating female dog, which is, of course, relaxing and calming to puppies. But as it turns out, it's also calming to adult dogs. So, for example, if you have a dog who is afraid of being left alone, which we, you know, separation anxiety, and the dog whines and paces, if you leave the DAP diffuser plugged in in the area where the dog frequents, very often it will really take the edge off of it, and the dogs are, it's much easier for them to relax. Another thing that I really like that I've been talking about in my seminars lately is uh, music, specifically psychoacoustically designed music. There's a great product that came out called Through a Dog's Ear, and mm -hmm. they designed music that, to put it into a nutshell, it causes the dog's heartbeat to go at 50 to 70 beats per minute, which is the relaxation response. And it's just very sparsely orchestrated, just sort of piano alone in some cases. And it is absolutely amazing. I, you know, there's been all kinds of studies where they've done it in kennel situations and shelters. And from the feedback that I get during my seminars, lots of people have found that their dogs not only relax, but absolutely go to sleep during it 
which I understand because mm. it puts me to sleep too. <laughs> <You know? Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think the, the DAP is great, the, the through a dog's ear, or if you don't want that particular one, at least very slow, very sparsely orchestrated classical music is a good idea. Um, and, and for things like where you have to take the dog outside and work with him, things like body wraps, you know, we all know that if you swaddle an infant, you know, you wrap them tightly in a blanket, it makes them calmer. And they've done work with autistic children on that as well. Um, if you, you know, there are lots of sort of different ways you can do that. You can do it with a T-shirt and kind of snug it up and bunch up the material at the top and put a rubber band around it. And, of course, be careful it's not right over the dog's spine. But you can do it that way. Um, there's something called an anxiety wrap. There's a new product called a thunder shirt. And they, they all do the same thing. They actually create a swaddling effect on the dog. And I've had experience where I went to work with a Westie and um, this dog, I was told, was not good on leash. And what I found when I got there was not a dog who was pulling like you would expect, but a dog who was zigzagging and kind of lagging because he was afraid of everything in the environment. And so we mm. went back inside to talk about it. And I noticed that there was this ace bandage sitting on this woman's sofa. And one of the ways you can actually uh, do a swaddling type thing is the T-Touch people have created this half wrap. And there's also a full wrap where you kind of crisscross this thing over the dog's body in a specific way. And to be honest, I hadn't done it before, even though I had knowledge of it. But I said to her, you know what? I said, just, you know, indulge me. Let me try this. And we wrapped poor Wesley, you know, we wrapped him up in this thing. And we took him back out. And I'm telling you, I don't know who was more surprised, me or the owner, because this was a completely different dog. I'm not saying nothing startled it, but absolutely no zigging and zagging, much more relaxed. So, you know, as you said, I mean, it's, it's nice to have some alternatives to just, oh, let me just put my dog on Prozac. You know, there's definitely right. a time and a place for medication, don't get me wrong, but I think that too many people jump to it as sort of a magic pill rather than try to find other more natural ways. Good. And this is all mentioned in your book. Let's remind everybody. There's a ton of um, stuff in the complementary therapies, you know, about acupuncture and herbs and just all kind of, I, you know, because sometimes with a fearful dog, you know, yes, of course you want to do behavior modification and training and leadership and, you know, all of that good stuff. But sometimes you just wish there was more you could do. And most of these things, they're really in the category of they won't hurt and they may help. So why not try that? Right. One last question uh, before we go. If someone has a fearful dog, what recommendations do you have for help? Uh, where should they go and what questions should they ask if they're, if they're calling up a trainer, for example? Okay. Well, first of all, there's a great organization called the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, which is at APDC.com, where they have a trainer search on their site. Um, that's one really good place to find it. And, of course, you would like to look for the certified pet dog trainers, as I am, and, and you know, but, but regardless of who's listed there, or if you get a recommendation from a friend, that's great too. Regardless of where you get your recommendations, you want to really be careful about asking questions of the trainer because with a fearful dog in particular, the training methods are so crucial. You don't want somebody who's going to come in and put a choke chain on your dog and jerk him around or alpha roll him or scare him in any way. So you want to ask the trainer, you know, tell me a little bit about your training methods. And here's the thing. No trainer is going to say, oh, we use negative methods. You know, I haven't heard it yet. Everybody's going to say, I'm a positive trainer. You know, or in some cases, they'll say, I'm a balanced trainer. But I'm going to tell you, nobody says I'm a negative trainer or I'm really with dogs. So one of the sneaky questions that I recommend that people ask is, what do you do if the dog doesn't listen to something you ask him to do? 
And I can Great tell you that question. my answer, you know, because that's really tricky, right? My answer would be, well, if he's not listening to something, I have to determine why. If I didn't teach him what it is well enough, perhaps I have to go back to the step where he was successful at it and build small steps from there. Or maybe I haven't proofed it around distractions. Or maybe I haven't done it in enough different environments. In other words, I step back and go, look, what did I do that he's not listening? I don't say, oh my gosh, he's, he's just being a disobedient dog and he needs to be punished. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think if Excellent. you ask the trainer that, you know, you'll, come, you'll get, unfortunately, some that'll say, well, you know, you've got to be a strong leader. The dog's got to listen to you. You can't take that from him. And that kind of thing, you can tell they're all entrenched in that sort of dominance theory. And you want to avoid that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it was so nice talking to you again, Nicole. And if you enjoyed this interview, uh, just a reminder again, I chatted with Nicole two weeks ago about owning and training wolf dogs. So you might want to tune into that. Again, don't forget to check out other interviews on Pet Life Radio. And don't forget to listen to the training sessions. Nicole, if people are interested in getting your book, where can they get it? Yes, it's called Help for Your Fearful Dog, and you can get it directly through Phantom Publishing at phantompub.com, P-H-A-N-T-O-M-P-U-B.com. Fabulous. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and a special thanks to our producers for making the show happen. Also, if you have any questions, comments, ideas for the show, don't forget, email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So, until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you to Nicole, and thank you, listeners, for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Keep listening. Bye-bye. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.